Hello and welcome to Just Another Bass, a podcast that explores choral music in all its forms at all levels. Whether you just sing during your commute, or you sing on stage in international level competitions. Whether you're just learning music theory, or you're spontaneously harmonizing every song you hear. I'm your host, Jeff Foley, and it's my hope that in each of these podcasts, you take away a new thought about singing that you can bring to your next song. In today's episode, we explore barbershop quartets. If you sing primarily in a classical chorus like me, you may not be as familiar with the ins and outs of barbershop quartets. So for this topic, I'm interviewing a close friend of mine whom I've known for decades, Chris Reichert. Chris has a lot of talents, but in the world of singing, he's a great interviewee because he's made the transition from a cappella singing to choral singing to barbershop quartet singing. So here's my interview with Chris, and again, I've punctuated some of the topics with various musical clips to highlight what we're discussing. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with Chris Reichert, whom I've known ever since we went to college together at MIT in 1992, I think. Uh, you've been interested in singing from the beginning. We've had musical collaborations, usually in the library of the fraternity house, with mm -hmm. me playing the piano and you singing show tunes. Yep, that's right. <laughs> uh, I know you sang with the MIT Concert Choir, and you also sang with the Corollaries, the acapella, one of the well, better-known acapella groups at MIT. Yeah, definitely. And I, I still actually love listening to the album of uh, you singing If I Had a Million Dollars. with. <laughs> it's so strange to hear yourself singing on a CD, but yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> if I had a million dollars, we filled a tree fort in our yard. If I had a million dollars, you could help, it wouldn't be that hard. If I had a million dollars, maybe we could put a tiny little fridge in But what I want to explore today uh, is a topic that you and I have talked about in the past, and one of these days I'll jump full feet into it, but you've, you've already done that is, uh, you've been excited for some time that pe people that, uh, do sing may not be as familiar with barbershop. You've been gung ho in a barbershop for the last, how long now? Yeah, it's been about five or six years now. Yeah. I... How did you first encounter barbershop? What made you make the transition? <clears throat> yeah. Well, so as, as you mentioned, I've been singing for a lot of my life. So, um, Music and singing are a big part of, of how I define who I am as a person. And we were living in Texas, and I had become so busy with work and other things that I was doing that I was not making time for that part of myself. And when we had kids, I, I felt this need that I wanted them to be familiar with that part of me as I was growing sure. up. So my wife uh, actually kicked me out of the house because <laughs> she had found a meetup group uh, that was two miles away from our house that got together every week uh, for what they called singing and fellowship. Um, anyone welcome. Um, so I thought I'd go try it out. I, I was going into the thing expecting some kind of really hokey experience. And it was a little bit hokey, um, but I, I've never felt or very rarely felt quite so welcomed by a group of people when I walked in. Everyone was very happy to see me. And it was just fun to sing. The, the barbershop style music, I found it was really easy to pick up, but there was a lot of depth to the art form. So it was just interesting, and I fell in love with it right away. Did you know it was a barbershop group when you went there? You said it was just a, a singing and meetup group. That I could have did. Just, that could have been... Yeah, no, they, <laughs> they were upfront about that. So the group was Acapella Texas, was the Austin chapter of the Barbershop Harmony Society. And um, they specifically build themselves as a group that was trying to branch out from the barbershop style 
into other styles of a cappella music, but they were definitely grounded very much in barbershop. All together shouted, now there's no one who can doubt it now, so let's tell the world about it now. Happy days are here again. Now you've done a cappella and you've done barbershop, which is always a cappella, as I understand. That's it, right. right. Yeah. How would you describe the difference? Certainly, I mean, Corollaries was covering you know modern songs or '80s hits and things yeah. like that. There's a more of a established repertoire for. Uh, yeah, and you know, I I also did some classical a cappella. So you mentioned the MIT Concert Choir. We did several numbers that were all acapella um but those were classical yeah classical compositions my, for that purpose my yeah. favorites i think we did four songs by samuel barber that oh yeah, yeah. really interesting pieces um but you know they all have they all have something in common and it requires a certain commitment to the music a certain skill um, the thing about barbershop as a style of acapella music is it has a very uh, unique focus on a particular type of harmonies, particular type of harmonic structure in the music. That um, just creates a sound that's that's kind of unlike anything else. This is the ringing that you told me about mm. once, right? That's right. Um, and it's just that you find that sometimes in these other styles of acapella music, but barbershop really is focused on producing that kind of sound. People spend a lot of time trying to perfect that oh, to yes. get the overtones mm -hmm. to line up just right so you get that like fifth fifth voice yeah. that kind of comes it, out of nowhere right and it's uh you know the the good groups that compete at the international level and win competitions at that level will spend time um doing vowel matching um doing vowel phrasing and vowel color matching so that the whole group is not just singing the same note with the same tone but they're singing the same vowel shape so that the harmonics are really well aligned. Well, you know, that's important in any singing, of course, to get <clears> the vowels aligned, but because of the specific ringing that you want when you get the dominant chord that's like yeah. overlaps it, it's super important for a Yeah, and when it really shop. locks in, you can you can feel it. And if you've never if you've never heard a choral overtone being produced, it's one thing to, to be in an audience and hear that sound happen. Uh, it's quite another thing to be singing in the choir and to be able to hear this additional voice singing as if you were <laughs> just an angel singing behind you. It's really amazing. Okay. So tell me about, you were talking about this idea of well-tempered tuning versus... True tuning, yeah. So this is, we talked a little bit about the ringing in barbershop chords, and this is really what it's all about. Uh, if we want to nerd out for a little bit on technical stuff... Um, Hopefully most people are familiar with well-tempered tuning and this idea in Western music that in order to tune a piano, we have to actually sacrifice uh, micro bits of, of pitch because um, you can't evenly divide a scale into 12 notes. Um, you have to you have to sacrifice a little bit because they're not you can get the one and the five and the, yeah, yeah yeah so and so you have to tune around that and so when you play western music uh it is inherently dissonant 
in a way that mostly never matters and that most people never notice. Um, but the well-tempered tuning causes this little bit of a problem. When you're singing a cappella music, really any a cappella music, um, but especially this is emphasized in barbershop, um, you're not beholden to that scale. So you can sing in what's called true tuning. And this is how we produce that ringing sound so that you're singing the true intervals of pitch. Um, so like that, mathematically, mm, yes, you know, the, the, geometrically d distant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, that's, that's the, the, the nerdy description of what you're doing. It's something you have to learn to do by feel. And this is definitely a product of listening to what's happening around you so that when you're singing the song, you're not really thinking about, oh, I've got to sing a microtone higher when I sing the fifth in oh, the wow. context of this chord. You don't think about it that way. You just learn the muscle memory of what it sounds like to produce that sound, that ringing sound, and then you just do that so again and again. Does that mean like an, an E natural in a barbershop may not be the same as an E natural in a in a classical chorus singing uh, yeah. those notes or yeah. that you might hear on a piano? No, that's that's exactly right. And it's so it's such a small difference that if you were to compare somebody singing that note with somebody playing that note on a piano. You probably wouldn't be able to audibly hear that difference, but when you when you have four voices singing together in a chord, and they're all singing that true tuning, then you produce this really well ringing overtone. I had no idea. That would yeah. drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so for somebody who has perfect pitch, it's it's it can be difficult um, because you're aware of what's happening. But the truth is, for most a cappella singers, we're never singing the right pitches anyway. <laughs> you like, he's no. kind of centering around something. As Whatever do is, you've right, got do. As long as everybody good, agrees yeah. and sings the same key, you're fine. So you you blow the pitch. Right? And then everyone's going to sing the first note. And as long as everybody sings the same chord, it really doesn't matter too much. And now, if you're a good chorus or you're a good quartet, you should be <laughs> singing the, the song in the key in which it was written. But that's the nice thing about a cappella music is it's, it's all about how these people produce sound together as a group and how that group works together to create the sound and sustain the sound and sustain the musicality over the the course of the piece and in in the scope of that the precise pitches are not nearly as important as the as ensemble your, right yeah, yeah as the ensemble and as your emotional investment in the song and your adherence to this style of singing so that you produce this sort of magical extra tone. This sounds like a long mm. rationalization for why not finding the right starting pitch is, <laughs> is okay for you. <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's an amazing thing because I, I've been in the chorus during warm-ups and we're singing a chord and it's just sort of flat. Not literally flat. It's just there's not much energy to it. Uh -huh. And then, you know, the, the director will say, you know, tenors just... Tune up a skosh. This uses a lot. Just not not go up a half tone. Just like lift your voice just a tiny bit, and just sort of by thinking about it or lifting your eyebrows, you change the tone just a tiny bit, and suddenly, what sounds like essentially the same sound is producing literally a fifth tone. 
that is shouting at you from the back of the room. And it's just a tiny, tiny change that's imperceptible in what an individual is doing changes the sound of the group utterly. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, what else distinguishes barbershop? I know there's these these <clears throat> tags and codas. There's these yeah. sort of universal things that... Uh... Yeah, there's a stylistic form to the music um, where you end up, especially with, with songs that they consider contestable. We can talk about yeah, I want to hear about the contest in a minute. Um, that you you have a particular approach to the introduction of the song. There's usually kind of an intro to the song, and then you have a very usually typical um, kind of A B choral pattern, and then you end with this song, or the ending of the song is called a tag. And um, you know, a, th- a thing to do in barbershop is after you go to your rehearsal, your contest, is you go to the bar or someplace to gather and socialize. And people will sing just the ends of songs, the tags. That seems like just telling <clears throat> the punchlines, the jokes that everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, but the, the reason is that the tag of the song is often a, a recapitulation in a few measures of the, the whole emotional scope of the song. And it usually has some of the best, juiciest ringing chords in it. So it's very impressive to sing. With you falling in love over again With you foolish over you Uh, But I've sung tags to songs that I've never sung the song and then I finally hear the song and the song itself is kind of a letdown. You just know the tag. Yeah, after singing the tag all the time. So it's fun. Is um is barbershop mm. intended to be more vibrato or less vibrato? Like how does that, how does that all work? Yeah, out? it's it's definitely ideally uh no to minimal vibrato. So um, it just it's this pure sound. Yeah. Does that make you sound British then? Yeah, the British chorus yeah, is like that too. I mean not necessarily, but it, it, the vibrato can mess with the overtone series, especially mm. in a chorus. So if you've got 60 guys that are singing barbershop together, um if everybody's singing that vowel a little bit different or they're they're using vibrato in just a little bit different way, it destroys the overtone structure. You can get away with a little bit more when you're in a barbershop quartet. Four and, people instead yeah, of four people. Yeah, I, I I was mystified the first time I saw that a barbershop is not always just four people. Yeah, I mean it's four parts, but yeah. So barbershop really describes more a style of music than it does specify a certain number of people. Um, the most common thing to see is obviously the barbershop quartet that everybody's familiar with, but that style of singing can be expanded to a large chorus. The chorus that I sing in in Portland is sixty people. Uh, it's still just four parts, um, but you have those four quartet parts expanded to 60 people. Um, I've sung in both. I actually spend most of my time singing in choruses and to, to some degree enjoy that more than singing in a quartet because the, the power of that sound is just a lot bigger. They blow everyone away with yeah. that. I imagine it's harder <laughs> to get the vowel matching, to get overtones, I mean, to get the discipline, to get 60 people singing the right way, where with four people you can be a little yeah. goosey-goosey sometimes. It is, but there's some there's some simple techniques, and we have uh, coaches that come in, in addition to our regular directors and musical staff that are all volunteers and part of the chorus. We have professional coaches come in about once a month, 
that help us with small things that can make a big difference and just getting everybody on the same page. Can you think of any examples of that? I'd love to hear. Yeah, they have a lot of kind of warm-up techniques that are designed to to get everybody um, doing vowel matching just with your warm-ups. It's stuff that you've probably done in other choirs. Um, you, you do a vowel sequence, uh, A, E, A, O, U, but you do it in a particular way on a barbershop chord so that you can kind of create this ringing structure right from the beginning. It's the chords that make it different from, yeah. from a normal warm-up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so things like that. Um, we'll spend a lot of time sometimes just on technique, especially when we have a coach. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I learn, I've learned a ton singing barbershop oh, i imagine yeah what's the background of most of the people there are there professional musicians or is everyone else doing something <clears throat> yeah have, this is a this is a side a, moon, a moonlighting job it's really <laughs> since it's volunteer yeah. yeah it's it's pretty much all musical amateurs who a lot of whom don't have any experience with music outside of barbershop um in our course particularly up in portland maine probably 70 percent of our chorus is retired guys <laughs> and um they've some of them have been doing this 30 or 40 years wow yeah this is their their form of musical expression and you know male bonding and socializing and it's an even a way for them to get away it's an opportunity to get away for an evening once a week do something fun hang out with people they like um you know there's the rest of us probably the average age is around 30 to 40 um and in a chorus of 60 there's probably, I would say, six to ten people who have other kinds of musical expertise or have some kind of training, and they bring a lot to the to the experience of the group. They offer suggestions from their own experiences, um, so it's it's really a community effort and a community produced musical product, which is really nice at the end of the day. An all male, right? It is. So, <laughs> but there's there's a female equivalent, right? The there is. Was it Sweet Adelines? Is the, that what it's? the Sweet Adelines is sort of the sister group to the Barbershop Harmony Society. Um, in uh, female vocal uh, quartets, there's also a group called Harmony Inc., which is it's a long political <laughs> schism story, but the the idea is the same. So that that's all female. Same kind of <clears throat> chord structures in that, just with yeah. the higher voices. But I just want him back in my arms, back in my arms. Yeah, and we are seeing a, a lot, um, you know, within the competition structure for those two groups. It's either all male or all female, um, but we're seeing a lot more mixed quartets in shows and there are some competition venues for mixed quartets as well Got it. Um, which produces an interesting sound i know in a lot of uh community courses mm -hmm. and church courses you often will have um uh even professional courses sometimes you'll have women come over and sing uh, a tenor part or yeah less 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 frequently sometimes men will sing the altos but usually it's because there's not enough tenors <laughs> mm -hmm. and there there is the odd barbershop arrangement that's um that's actually arranged for eight parts and designed to be sung by a male quartet and a female quartet oh that sounds like fun yeah they, they it's often a kind of duet exchange song 
kind of thing. Is so it like Paradise by the Dashboard Light? Or? <laughs> it's the barbershop equivalent. <laughs> that it's, it's, it's a sort of hokey uh, love duet. Back and forth love yeah. duet, of course. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, you mentioned competitions before, and I know you've done some competitions. Yeah. Which is, uh, tell me more about the structure of that. And, uh, and yeah. you mentioned scores and just kind of, it's a way to kind of benchmark yourself against other it groups. It is. Yeah. It's, it's actually an amazing thing. So the Barbershop Harmony Society is an international group. Uh, there are chorus chapters all over the world, uh, predominantly in North America, but there's there's a very active um, hotbed of barbershop singing in New Zealand and Australia <laughs> and Great Britain and Sweden actually has produced some of the more recent international champions. I bet their vowels are a little <clears throat> different. <laughs> you know, they spend, a, they sound like any other quartet and they get up there and sing and they spend a lot of time on vowel production and is it inherently an American form of uh, singing? So it, it people have to match, just like just like I've got to learn Italian for my operas. They've yeah. got to learn American English for yeah. their uh, barbershop. Because all these songs are like you know kind of forties and fifties poppy, right? Poppy love songs for the most part. Um, but the that creates this enormous pool of people doing this, and so there are a lot of opportunities uh, throughout the year for for groups to get together outside of their chorus. And that's usually in the venue of a competition. So these competitions are almost like conventions more than competitions. Very really. much so, yeah. Especially the the international competition, which is held annually, usually always somewhere in the U.S. It's kind of like the World Series of baseball. <laughs> um, but you, you'll have thousands of barbershoppers from all over the world getting together, meeting old friends, making new friends. And you go through, here's some of the most amazing music. But even beyond that, it, it's not everybody gets to go to, to compete at the international level, but within our, our local districts. So my course is in the, the Northeast District of the Barbershop Harmony Society. There are about 30 courses and probably about 50 to 60 competing quartets. And we get together twice a year for like a semifinal, quarterfinal type of thing, uh -huh. uh, which ultimately determines who gets to represent us at international. Oh, great. Um, so it's like uh, yeah. the, the, the play-in tournament. <laughs> yeah. And the um, at the competition, uh, there are judges that judge in four different categories. Let me see if I can remember all these. They judge in singing, uh, which is focused on the technical production of the sound. Uh -huh. Music, which is focused more on kind of musical interpretation. Um, performance, uh, which I think they've now renamed Presentation. And it's, it's about how do you present the song. Like how choreography? You, or yeah, anything. kind of what's the consistency between how you look and how you sound. It's actually just those three categories. Um, and they take the judging very seriously. So they have what they call a um, category college at the beginning of every year. And the judges that they've selected, who've gone through this selection and testing process, all get together and decide as a group, how are we going to judge barbershop singing as a group? So they're all on the same page. 
um, and you get very consistent good feedback from the competition process. You had told me before you'd go and they would tell you, oh, you know, you scored, I don't know what the rating is, but mm-hmm. like, you scored a 70 and the yeah. top guy got a 95, but, mm-hmm. and this is why you got a 70 because yeah, you were so, good at donation, but your presentation was poor. Yeah, yeah that's right. So at, at all the levels of competition, aside from international, um, after the competition, um, you get a review session with each, with one of the three judges. So in a typical contest, there might be two judges in each category and you'll rotate through all the categories and meet with one judge in each category who will spend 20 minutes with your group or your quartet and tell you why they scored you the way they did and give (laughs) you some tips on how to kind of get yourself to the next level. Uh, A lot of the judges are actually professional coaches too, uh, which makes, makes sense. So it's, it's a really good way to, uh, to get better at singing, to learn about how the, the art form works, but also just these opportunities to meet people from around the country. I was surprised how, uh, easy, how many resources there were to be able to learn barbershop. When we had a, in another organization that we're involved with called Otherworld, there was a occasion where we had mm-hmm. to, I had to be part of a, of a barbershop quartet as part of the, as part of the story. And, you produced all of this, like, here's the standard repertoire of, of barbershop pieces and tags. Here's recordings of people, you know, singing them. And so you can, you know, mm-hmm. you can adjust the balance so that it's just bass or just tenor. So yeah. you can, uh, you know, so there's this huge community that's produced all these resources. Is this kind of? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's born out of the fact that there are so many amateur musicians in the barbershop world and, you know, of, of all the things that we do, I think the most important thing is we want to make sure that people have fun doing this. Yeah. It's all about fellowship and having fun. And along the way, we get to produce some great music. Um, but in order to a- accommodate the learning styles of an amateur musician, rather than having somebody have to go home and plunk out notes on a piano, right. a lot of people don't have a piano, um, we uh, all through the organization uh, have professional learning tracks recorded so for any given piece of music uh, if you commission a a new uh, arrangement of a piece of music or you're using an older arrangement that's been around for a while um, when that music is arranged pretty much always they'll record at the same time a set of professional learning tracks and there's three or four guys in the society who record almost all the tracks do they do them as a group or each one do I've heard people that just can sing all four yeah. parts. Well, there's there's this amazing guy who's in a, a gold medal winning quartet uh, within the, the past decade. And he does probably 80% of the tracks that I've learned from. So he, he's doing bass, baritone, <laughs> he does lead, and tenor. <laughs> yeah. And he does, I've seen him do a clinic before at an international convention about how to produce learning tracks. And so he talks about, he has a very nice setup in his home amazing singer but he'll sing all four parts and the way he tells it when he's going to record new learning tracks he gets up in the morning and records the bass (laughs) and then just sequentially lays down these tracks throughout the day he's actually he sings tenor in his quartet so just a gorgeous tenor voice that's funny i was wondering what what his natural i mean people have a natural spot i suppose you can sing multiple like you usually sing lead don't you i do i usually sing lead um, which is, I mean, the lead part in barbershop can be pretty rangy. Um, the tenor is often done in as a falsetto or head head voice delivery. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 
Based on the tenor parts I've seen, I'm yeah. like, someone's going to have to kick me, mm-hmm. <laughs> kick me between the uprights to get me to hit some of those notes. But you have these really high quality learning tracks, and they usually come in a set. So you'll have um, you'll have a track that has the lead part predominant or on the left track. So you right. can just turn it and listen. And we've developed a lot of strategies for helping people use the tracks um, to record themselves using their iPhones or their computers. Um, and then in our course, we usually have pre-rehearsal sessions where we'll get together if we're learning a new piece of music. And those of us who have learned it already will help Couple other on. people who want to show up early and just kind of give them some experience singing it in a quartet or with some other people who know their part. Um, and it, it really it makes a difference. It's You can learn music really quick. The chorus can pick up things quick. It's a community aspect yeah. you described of helping everyone along. That's right. Do you ever do like pickup courses where you, everyone kind of learns a piece and then you show up and you, I think you were describing doing something yeah. where it's like, there were like side mm. things where it'd be like, Oh, we're all, you know, learn this piece. So we're all going to show up and split up into groups. Yeah. And so they, they do an annual event and actually I think they do, there's probably 12 of them or so now around the country. It's called a harmony brigade. And for those people who love learning new music, um, the, the brigade in your region publishes at the beginning of the year, um, 10 songs that they're going to be at the brigade there. And there's usually some common songs around the, uh, the okay. various brigades around the country. And you learn your music by yourself. Um, the, I did it one year and we had a little practice group. There were six or seven of us up in Maine uh, who were all going to the brigade. So we would get together yeah, every other week or so and practice together. But for the most part, you learn on your own. And you show up at the brigade. There's like 100 people there. We've all learned the music. Oh, wow. And you you just get together and form up into impromptu quartets and sing. It's like a barbershop festival chorus. <clears throat> yeah. It's really uh, it's really amazing. It was fun. It takes some commitment and time, which is why I've only done it once. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's something I'd love to do again. Have you ever um, worn matching costumes? Definitely matching costumes. So the, the chorus, our chorus is pretty tame. By some chorus standards, but we have a standard performing outfit for right. the chorus. Does that include funny hats? Not for us. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. no round hats or little flat hats. No. no. Though I have seen uh, there's a there's a good quartet in our uh, in our chorus that does a really um, interesting Elmer Fudd song. Oh no! And they all have hunting caps <laughs> that they use as prop pieces for that song. It's quite cute. How about pinstripes? Have you ever worn pinstripes? No Colored pinstripes. pinstripes. Like the Dapper Dans will do those things. Yeah. No, I've, I've stayed pretty tame in my coral outfits. I have, I have done bow ties? The, the odd bow tie. Okay, yes. yeah. yeah. It seems suspenders. Suspenders and bow ties yeah. seems like part of the. Yeah, definitely done that. So that that's the black jacket and tuxedo yeah. know, for a for a chorus. And it's really interesting too. You, I did get the opportunity to go to the international competition a couple of years ago, and. To see the range of outfits, especially <laughs> among the quartets, it looks like cosplaying, but yeah, <laughs> but they're all cosplaying barbershop quartets. Yeah, well, you have some that go for that very classic look. There was an outstanding comedy quartet that actually went for the very classic barbershop look, and then they used it as a bit in their act. Uh-huh. These will be the good old days. Poker face, my poker face, my poker face, my poker face. Twenty years and I got the mood 
moves like Jagger. I got the moves like Jagger. But you have people that are really more in a formal tuxedo. You have people in sort of like gangster length uh, jackets uh-huh. or, or tails in all kinds of crazy colors, sequins. <laughs> I've seen it all. It's amazing. That sounds <clears throat> awesome. Uh, how do you think this compares to your, the the corollary? Seems like your closest uh, parallel to it. I mean, yeah. that was very different. I mean, <clears throat> a, it was college, so yeah, your voice was still you're still learning how to sing and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's funny looking back on the corollaries. We recently had a reunion, and I talked to some people about this. If I knew then what I know about acapella singing now, after having sung Barbershop, the things we could have accomplished right. would have been amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, in college, we're not really very focused on the technical aspects of singing. I think he's happy to get the notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the corollaries, we were, we were pretty good. And I think we focused on that more than some other groups. Um, but we did all our own arrangements and it was kind of hit or miss. Like somebody would create a, a really stellar arrangement and we'd sing it and it'd be great. And I don't think we always understood exactly why it was good. <laughs> so then we'd sing another arrangement and it would be kind of kind of not so good. Um, and it was it's very hit or miss. Um, in the barbershop world, arranging is, is really more of a professional. Uh, Other yeah. people do the arranging and yeah. you, you inherit the, the there's there's a sort of a standard standard uh, list of songs that everybody learns. Yeah, degree, we call right? them polecats. Right. Right. So we had there's I think it's about ten songs. That were released in a book called the Polecat Songbook. It's like uh, "Let Me Call You Sweetheart," yeah, and "Goodbye Heart of My Heart," and yeah. So Some that of the ones was, you were teaching us was yeah. put out about forty years ago, maybe wow. fifty years ago, and they never put out another edition until two years ago. They finally released Volume Two <laughs> of the Barber Polecat Songbook. Which is great because it it's uh, it includes some new stuff. There's a very beautiful arrangement of "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Um, as well as some of the more classic songs. Um, actually, Goodbye My Con- Coney Island Baby is in the new Polecat. Oh, nice. Book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodbye, my Coney Island baby. Farewell, my old true love. So it's, it's a really good mix of new and old. And if you learn the Polecats, you're almost guaranteed to run into somebody else who can... Right. I mean, with you. ostensibly, you could walk into your local barbershop, not yeah. walking into a barbershop, but <laughs> walking into a, a barbershop chorus situation. Got it. Yes. Yeah. And to be like, hey, you want to sing this song that yeah. everyone knows? Oh, it's like a our, universal language. Our chorus uh, this year has undertaken as a group to learn all of the new polecats. Nice. So we can sing them together and also incorporate them into our, our performance repertoire. When's, uh, when's your next... Singing gig with uh, Barbershop. You yeah, took a little break, a... I know, for over the holidays. Yeah. So. The the chorus is actually competing this coming weekend, but I, I have a prior engagement, so I'm not going to be able to sing with them. Um, I don't think our next public performance is until June, um, but I, I don't remember the exact date. We're um, Do you meet every week to <clears throat> kind of rehearse for these yeah, things? Yeah, we or? meet weekly, um, and we rehearse a variety of repertoire leading up to competition. Uh, the competition, you sing just two songs. Oh. So the, the three or four weeks before that, we tend to focus a lot on I imagine. two songs. Um, but once competition is done, we'll be opening up our rehearsal repertoire much wider and preparing for our next show. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question, which I try to ask everyone. What's your universal <laughs> advice to singers of any, of any level? Oh, wow. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, I've learned more in five years of singing barbershop about how to sing well than I learned in my entire life prior to that. And I've sung a lot. And one of the most important things in barbershop is just to listen to the people around you. <clears throat> and not just when you're singing, which that's very important. <laughs> but, you know, these old guys who have been singing for years and years and years have learned a lot from other people. They've learned a lot from each other. So the, the take advantage of the experience of people around you and look for ways to expand that audience. And, and I, I, I'd never had a professional coaching session until I started singing barbershop. And, you know, these, they bring in expertise from, from all around, whether they need help with presentation or music or singing. Um, so just, you know, look for those sources of knowledge and be willing to listen and learn from the people who have gone before you. Thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. I want to thank Chris Reichert for stopping by and sharing his experiences with barbershop quartet singing in this session. Chris tells me that barbershop quartet groups, and Sweet Adeline groups for that matter, are everywhere. If you go to barbershop.org or to sweetadelines.com, both have prominent links at the top for find a quartet or find a chorus. My brief experience singing barbershop showed me how much fun it is and how different it is from more classical choral singing. So I hope you get a chance to get some friends together and learn a few barbershop tags. Just another dialect of the universal language of music. That wraps up this episode. Until next time, May you find more ways to create joy. Oh, yeah.